Amen. All right, here we go. James chapter 5, verse number 19. What's that first word? Now, now, when he says the word brethren, who do you think he's talking about? Save people. Save people. Uh, we call, you know, when I was growing up, uh, I always heard Sister Mary, Sister Susie, Brother Tom, Brother Joe, and, all, and I just did that to everybody. You know, whether they were lost, saved, or anything, because that's just what I heard my parents calling people. So I thought, well, then, then mom and dad taught me, no, this is what we call our brothers and sisters in, in Christ, right? You don't call everybody brother because everybody ain't your brother. Amen. You know, I, I, heard, I heard somebody say uh, on TV, we should love everybody because we're all God's children. That's not true. That's not true. We're all God's creation. But we're not all God's children. You're not one of God's children until you're adopted into the family. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Till you're born again. Then you become a child of God. And then we can say brother and sister, right? So he is speaking to saved people. He's speaking to the brethren. Brethren, if any of you, who's the you? The brethren. So he's still talking to saved people, right? Watch what he says. Watch what he says that a brother or sister in Christ has the, the ability to do. If any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Shall hide a multitude of sins. Let's pray. And we'll jump right into the Bible study this, this evening. Lord, thank you so much for uh, an opportunity to, to share your word. Thank you so much for a dry building. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for safety that this storm just blew right on by. And, and, and Lord, I, I pray for all those that are still struggling with power outages and trees down from this past week. I pray that you just bless them and help them. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the study tonight. Help us to learn. Help us to grow. Uh, this is a very important topic, Lord. There's, there's a lot of people that's in the kind of shape that we are talking about tonight. And they really don't need to be. I pray, God, that your perfect will be done. I pray that you'll just speak to our hearts. Lord, I don't deserve to be here. But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you've allowed me to be a part of what's going on in this place. And I need you to fill my heart. Fill my mind. Fill, give me the words to say. Lord, please make it easy on me. Lord, I pray that you'll touch every ear that they may comprehend and understand your word. Uh, Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't, and don't let me forget anything I should. And God, will be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, I, 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 I read a a little article by uh, John Charles Ryle. Uh, and this is, this is what he said about backsliding. This is what he said about backsliding. Uh, we know, we know, I mean, if, you, if you're from the old school or, or from traditional church, you've, you've heard the word backsliding before. Uh, backsliding is sliding back. I mean, this is not real complicated, right? Uh, not being where we ought to be. Backsliding. Sometimes we, we think of somebody who's just been out of church for a long time. We say, well, that's a backslider. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, I wanted to do this. I want you to just for a second, just for a second. Everybody look at me just for a second. I want you to imagine a time in your life that you were the closest you've ever been to God. I'm talking about, you know what I mean. You, you were so close to God, it was almost like you could reach out and touch him. You, you uh, uh, experienced his presence. You had his joy. You were walking in his, in his spirit. And uh, it seemed like nothing could get you down. You couldn't wait to get to church. Couldn't wait to share your faith. Now listen, just for a minute, just for a minute, uh, I want you to imagine that day. I want you to imagine that time in your life. And then answer this question. Answer this question. Was that yesterday? Was that yesterday? I mean, here's the thing. Are we, are we where we need to be? Are we where we used to be? Now, we don't have to be out of church to be backslidden. 
Just because we show up in church doesn't mean we are where we need to be with God. It's easy to be. I, I told somebody one day we were talking about getting out of church and the habit, especially, you know, after after all the COVID stuff happened and, and there was a major, major drop off in, in church attendance all over the world. And, and, and really, in the majority of places, it hasn't even come back yet. And maybe never will. There's been tons of churches shut down. And I, I, I kind of explained to people this way. Uh, here's, how, here's how it works. You go out on WD-40 and you come back on sandpaper. Do I have a witness right there? And if you don't know what WD-40 is, slick as snot. Say amen. You just, shoom. It's so easy. It's so easy. Uh, listen, we are creatures of habit. We're creatures of habit. I spent, I spent, let's see, uh, 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 to June, uh, let's see, February, January, February, March, April, May, four months dieting. And I put every pound back on in that one month of the sabbatical. Bless my heart. I'm talking about four months of work and, and sacrificing Watching other people be blessed in my presence. Are y'all with me? And then so easily. So you say, why are you saying that? That's a, that's a foolish illustration. Not really. Because I know of pastors or preachers who have spent 20 and 30 years building a reputation only to lose it in a moment of stupidity. Backsliding. Backsliding. Here's what, here's what John Charles Ryle said. It is a miserable thing to be a backslider. Of all unhappy things that can befall a man, I suppose backsliding is the worst. A stranded ship, a broken winged eagle, a garden overrun with weeds, a harp without strings, a church in ruins. All these are sad sights, but a backslider is a sadder sight still. That true grace shall never be extinguished. This is, this is the truth. That true grace shall never be extinguished and true union with Christ never be broken off. I feel no doubt. But I do believe that a man may fall away so far that he shall lose sight of his own grace and despair of his own salvation. If this is not hell, it is certainly the next thing to it. A wounded conscience a mind sick of itself, a memory full of self-reproach, a heart pierced through with the Lord's arrows, a spirit broken with a load of inward accusation. All this is a taste of hell. It is a hell on earth. You know what? In, In my time, in my time in ministry, and when I say ministry, I don't know nothing but that. I've been in church my whole life. My, my mother and father are sitting right there. Most of you know they've been here long enough. You've been here long enough. You know them. And I've been in church my whole life. And in my experience, I've been around church people my whole life. That's all I know, church people. That's, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's not a good thing. Sometimes that'll make you really love people. And sometimes that'll anyway. Sometimes it'll make you want to. You know, it's just, it just is what it is. But I don't know, I don't know that I've ever met a more miserable person than one that I knew and saw and experienced that at one time in their life, they were on fire for God. They were in church. They were serving God, living for God. And now they are out of church. They are out spiritually from God. They have backslidden on God. They're living in the world. I don't know that I've ever met a more miserable group of people than those who have backslidden on God. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why that works that way. Uh, how many of you, how many of you remember, how many of you remember, this is a good Bible illustration. How many of y'all remember that Jesus, when he met Peter, he said, son, I want you to do this. I want you to follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men, right? They left their nets. They left their boats. They left it all, followed Jesus. 
And in that time of following Jesus, they experienced joy unspeakable and full of glory. They got to see miracle upon miracle upon miracle. They got to perform miracles. They got to cast out devils. Uh, man, they just seen Jesus do incredible things. And, and at the end of the deal, at the end of the deal, to make a long story short, because we got a lot of outline to cover, at the end of the deal, Peter said, I tell you what, I'm going back I'm going back fishing. Now, just a casual read of that, it, it would seem like, well, let's just go catch some fish. Like, like me and dad go jump in the boat and go, let's go to Smith Lake for a little while. No, he's saying, I'm going back to what I used to do. And guess what? He fished all night. All night. I said all night long and call. Now, if you're not a fisherman, you can't appreciate the magnitude of what I just said. But if you've ever fished all night long and not caught one thing, let me tell you something. That's a miserable experience. Here's, here's the problem. Once you're saved, you belong to God now. Once you're saved, you become a citizen of another country. You, you, you no longer feel at home. This world is not your home. You are just passing through. You are a stranger to this place and these things and what you used to be. What you used to be becomes foreign to you. The way you used to live becomes foreign to you. What you used to enjoy, listen, it becomes foreign to you. And you come and you experience a new world, a new life, a new joy, a new happiness, a new fulfillment. And then when you try to go back, you're not of that world anymore. You try to do what you used to do. You try to live like you used to live. You try to get the enjoyment that you used to get it, and you can't get it no more. And so you go out into the world, and you can't enjoy it. And you're you're out of the will of God, and you got an attitude about it, and you come back into church, and you see people happy, and misery likes company, so you're mad now because they're happy. And whether you're out there or in here, you're miserable. You're miserable. And so, it's hell on earth. I I would agree with everything John Charles Ryle said. Everything. Now, here's, here's, let's, let's do this. Let's look at this. Just, just three or four points tonight and, uh, and we'll pray for each other. Say amen. Number one, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you've gotten them downloaded off of the, off the web there. Uh, number one, I want you to see this. Look what it says in verse number, verse number 19. Brethren, we know he's talking to save people. Brethren, if any of you, if any of you do err from the truth. Now the word err, the word err there, E-R-R, is the Greek word that means to wonder. Say that with me. It means to it means to wander. It means to stray. It means to drift. Are y'all with me? It, it, it means you, you just kind of wander off. It, it's not a running off. It's a wander off. Are y'all with me? You ever notice that like kids, they just have a tendency to just kind of mosey and they just before long, you don't know where they're at. Are y'all with me? That's what it's talking about. It says, if any of you do stray, if any of you do wander, just like a sheep, we all like sheep have gone what? Uh, astray. Now, it says if any of you do err from the truth. So number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to see the potential in backsliding. The potential in backsliding. First of all, A, write this down. It's equal in people. It's equal in people. In other words, the man on the front row is just as likely to backslide as the man on the back row. The man that shouts amen all the time has just the same potential to backslide as the one that never opens his mouth. Preacher, what are you saying? There's not a single person in this room right now, I'm telling you under the sound of my voice, and I hope you're listening real good, not one single person in here is immune from backsliding. He said, if any of you, 
And James, listen, or he meant it. He meant it. Any of you got potential. Any of you can fall. If Peter can fall, you can fall. If John the Baptist can get discouraged and doubt, you can. If David fell from grace and, and listen, committed the sins that he did, the man after God's own heart, don't you think you can either? We all have potential. We all are in the same boat. Matter of fact, God said it this way. God said it this way in Hosea eleven seven. He says, and my people, my people, all right, are what? What's that word? Bent to backsliding from me. You see that? My people are bent to backsliding from me. The word bent is a natural curve or inclined to. In other words, it comes more natural to backslide than it does to stay faithful. I just read it. He didn't say the world. He said my people. Let me tell you about my people, God says. You have a tendency, you have an inclination, you are bent to backslide. You're more prone to backslide than you are to stay faithful. We have an evil world and we're swimming against the current. Say, preacher, what do you got to do to backslide? Nothing. Just stop swimming. Stop fighting. Stop resisting the devil, right? Nothing. Just, 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 just start doing nothing. And man, it begins. We all have potential. Look at your neighbor and say, you got potential, buddy. Yeah, we all got potential. We all got potential. Some of y'all said that with a little too much conviction, all right? Watch this. Watch this. Proverbs 24, 16. Proverbs 24, 16. For a just man. Did it say for a crooked man? No, it said a just man, a good man, a good man, a good person, a just man. What's the next word? Falleth. A just man. Wait a minute. If he's just, why is he falling? Because he's got potential. Not only does he fall, but he falls seven times. But what's the difference between a just man and a wicked man? A just man gets up. Are y'all with me? Now, how many of us can, can I move on with the outline? Can we all just agree and admit right now, preachers, this could be me right here. It may be me right here. This, I, I've got potential. I need this sermon. Can we say amen right there? We're bent to backsliding. We have issues. We're broken. We're a mess. It's equal in people. But then write this down. It's exa- We're talking about potential, by the way. By the way, the potential in backsliding is equal in people. It's also exaggerated by pride. Write that down. The word exaggerated means to enlarge or increase, especially beyond normal. In other words, we increase our potential to backslide with pride. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Who's the one going to fall? The one that don't think he will. The one that don't think he can. Are y'all with me? The one that thinks he's above it. The one that thinks he, he, he doesn't have the potential to fall. The one that thinks that he's beyond falling. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before what? And a haughty spirit. Word haughty just means arrogant. Arrogant, prideful. An arrogant, prideful spirit before a a fall. A fall. Pride. Joshua, can you imagine the victory? Can you imagine the victory? Joshua comes... I mean, this is his, this is his first real deal. I, I remember, I remember when I came to temple, uh, brother Mickle, you'll probably be the only one in this whole entire building that'll know what I'm talking about right here. I was very young. I was very young and I was, I was very, uh, naive with some things and, but, but, but very excited and wanted to do something and very, uh, I had, I was full of faith. Uh, some of it might've been. Uh, ignorance, but I, I don't know, but I, I, man, I was ready to go. Here we go. 
and, and, and the church was kind of wounded. The church was kind of wounded. Not, not in a, the, the pastor before me is a great guy, didn't do anything, but they were discouraged. They, the, this, this, three, this building back here, the little building there, it had three concrete walls and a concrete floor, and that was it. Nothing on the inside, no roof or nothing, because they had started building. It got kind of stuck. And, and anyway, make a long story short, uh, my first uh, goal or project or whatever you want to call it was to get that built, to get that done. We had just a handful of Sunday school classes and the Sunday school classes we, we had was meeting in the, the areas where you walk up into the baptistries. But the kids were sitting on the steps to go up in the baptistries. That's, it's basically they were meeting in closets. So we needed a space really bad. And, 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 and I said, listen, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Uh, we had a, we had a company that was going to kind of do a, 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 a owner, not an owner financing, but an in-house type financing. We wouldn't have to go through a bank or nothing. It was going to get the lumber and so forth and so on. And it was going to be $25,000. I know what you're thinking. Oh, that ain't nothing. It was then. I guarantee you it was then. And, uh, and, and anyway, we, 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 we said, we're, we, 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 we met with the men said, Hey, we're going to do this thing. We voted on it and, and, and we made it, we, we were going forward. Some people got mad and people left and, uh, and, 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 but lo and behold, here we worked all summer long, wasn't it? All summer long. I'm talking about after everybody got off work, we come up here to the church. We meet brother Smitty had me here all day, every day and, and working and going, here we go. And we got that thing done. And it was so, it was an awesome deal. And we got to win. We got to, I say we did. I got to win. They saw something that we, a vision get accomplished. And then, and then there was a couple others I don't have time to tell you about. But the point is, I remember what it felt like to get that win. I remember what it felt like to get that win when they said we couldn't and they said it wasn't going to happen. They said you're crazy and all this kind of stuff was telling other people in the community he's going to run them into bankruptcy and all this kind of stuff. Just, but that was a win. And I can imagine Jer, uh, uh, Joshua, he is taken over from Moses. So this is going to be his first hoorah, if you will. He, this is his first uh, project. This is his first goal. Uh, this is his first battle after being the man. And here God tells him what to do. And y'all know the story. He, he, they march around the walls, fall down. They go in, destroy Jericho, this great citadel of the promised land. And I'm telling you what, you, he, you had to grease his ears to get through the door. You know he was. Swole up, look what we had. Just not even considering that God did it all. So how do you know he got lifted up in pride? Well, the very next battle was a little old rinky-dink city, and he thought, I don't even need to talk to God about this. I got this. And they got defeated. And you know what God did? He humbled him. He humbled him. Listen, it's easy to backslide when you start getting prideful. When you start thinking that you're a self-made person, when you start thinking you don't need God, you don't need the Bible, you don't need church, you don't need community. You, you listen, I'm a, I'm above all these things. I don't, I, and, 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 oh, if I ever hear this again, I don't need church to be a good Christian. Tell <laughs> Tell me you don't read the Bible without telling me you don't read the Bible. Listen, pride, pride. I can start naming names that my father and my mother would know of preachers that came and in the beginnings of their ministry, they were hungry and they were humble and man, they would preach with the touch of God on them till they got popular. Till they got all these invites, until they got all these whatever, and then they would come to the meeting and walk around like, you know, as a teenager, as a teenager, I could see it. And it wasn't long before one of them had moral failure, run off with another man's wife, matter of fact, two of them. And another one is, is divorced and not even in the ministry. I'm talking, I, and I'm, listen, I, I'm not talking about fly-by-night, you know, fake. Pre- I'm talking about men who preach with the power of God on them. But because of pride, because of pride, they fail. 
Listen, let's stay humble. Let's stay humble. There's potential in backsliding. We all got it. Can we say amen right there? Amen. We all have it. Then, then secondly, I want you to see the pattern in backsliding. Never say it or let it be said to you, it just happened. You know, people have an affair on their spouse. Oh, it just happened. Oh, really? It was an accident. No, it was a process. It was a process. People don't, people, people don't go from being on fire for God one minute and, and then you can't find them with the FBI the, the next minute. It don't happen that way. Listen, the book of Hebrews describes a process. The writer of the book of Hebrews described it because he is writing to a group of people who were Jews that had come to faith in Christ come to faith in the Lord, but the temple was still in operation in. So this was before, uh, 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 70 before, uh, 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 who was it that went in there? Uh, general, uh, I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. The Roman, the Roman general who went in and sacked Jerusalem, destroyed the temple and did all that. So it was before that they were being tempted to go back into Judaism. They were tempted to go back into the old form of worship and backslide from their following and faith in Jesus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And as you go through the book of Hebrews, he outlines a pattern of backsliding, how it takes place. And he shows you it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. There is a slow process that takes place. They go from one step to the next step to the next step. And I want to I show you that here this evening. Listen, Titus, that's right, that's right. The Roman general Titus. All right, listen, I wrote in here, I wrote in here. Uh, people are like automobiles. They start missing before they quit. I need a witness. They start missing before they quit. Backsliding is the easiest thing to do. Say it with me. You just do nothing. Do nothing. People seldom lose their religion by a blowout. It's usually a slow leak. A slow leak. The temple was still standing. When the book of Hebrews was written, all the priestly ceremonies were still being carried on daily. They were being seduced by false teachers. We see that in Hebrews 13, 9. And they were in danger of forgetting the true word that their first leaders now dead had taught them. The tragic thing about these believers is that they were at a standstill spiritually and in a danger of going what? Backward. Some of them had even forsaken the regular worship service. How do you know that? Because he instructed them, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't forsake it. And listen, they were not making any spiritual progress. By the way, if you're not going forward, you're going backward. There's no neutral. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. Listen, there is no permanent standing still in the Christian life. Now, I want you to, I want you to write these words down. I, I, put, I picked out the, the, the verses here so you don't have to look them up because I knew we wouldn't have time because I always go over and they've got an over and under going on me tonight and I'm going to prove them wrong. Say amen. <laughs> first, there is what, what is the, the, the first step? What is the first step to the process? Drifting from the word. Drifting from, what did James say? He said, if any do err from the truth. What did we say that word err meant? To wander, right? To, to stray, to drift. It says in Hebrews 2, 1, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Preacher, what are you saying? You need to pay attention when you come in this building. You need to pay attention when you read your Bible at home. You don't need to let it go in one ear and out the other. You need to focus. If you can't remember after you read 10 verses, only read two verses. Don't slip. Don't slip. Don't drift from the word. I, I remember, I remember uh, mom would take us to the, mom would take us as kids to the beach. And there, and, and we lived in Fort Pierce right there. Fort Pierce uh, uh, Beach was 10 minutes from our house. And, and, and we would go and she said, now don't go too far out in that water. And because there's a current 
there's a current and that current pulls you down the beach. And if you're not paying attention, I remember as a kid, one time, boy, we was in there playing, just having a big time about waist deep and just moving. And, and I'm standing on the, on the ground. I don't think I'm moving anywhere, but me and Joe, we're just cutting up, playing, having a big time. About, about 20 minutes goes by and I look up to see mom and see where she's at here. And, and mom ain't there. She's not there at all. She has left us. Did she leave us? No. We was 200 yards. That, now she was watching us. And she was waiting to whoop us when we got back. But what was we doing? We were just. And we wasn't doing anything. We thought we were in the same place at the same time. But because we were careless and not paying attention. We had drifted about 200 yards from the place we were supposed to be. Preacher, what are you, what are you saying? Just stop reading your Bible. Just miss church every now and then. You know, well, it's not a big deal. It's raining. We'll stay home tonight. You'll start drifting. You'll start drifting. Let me tell you something. A bad habit is easier to make than a good one. Satan, let me say that again. That was good. A bad habit is easier to make than a good one. You know why? Because Satan is going to do everything and fight you tooth and nail to keep you from making a good habit. But he's going, he's not going to fight you at all to create a bad habit. It starts with drifting. So be careful. Once we've drifted a little bit, it goes to doubting the word. Doubting the word. In, in Hebrews 3 verse 12, he says, take heed, brethren... Lest there be any of you with an evil heart. Look what he calls unbelief and doubt. Evil. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another. This is so good. Exhort. That means encourage, by the way. Encourage one another daily. And by the way, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. But what? Exhorting one another encouraging one. You didn't come just to get a sermon. You come to encourage the one sitting beside you. Why? Because the one sitting beside you is going through hell too. Just like you are. And we're not just coming to check off our spiritual checklist. We're coming to get some encouragement because guess what? In the morning, we got to go back out in that mess. Are y'all with me? Amen. Listen, he says we are to encourage one another. And which is called today, why? Why do we need to encourage one another? Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hardened. If you've ever worked with your hands and, and worked in a garden, you get, what's that that you get on your hands? Calluses. It means it gets hard. You can, your, your, your spirit can get hard. Your, your, more than anything, your conscience can get hard. Why? Because of the sin you have to work around and live around and behave around. What does the Bible say? Because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. Preacher, what are you saying? If you don't encourage one another to stay right, if you don't encourage one another to stay faithful, if you don't encourage one another to, listen, keep the faith and stay strong, that out there is going to cause you to get hard. Are y'all with me? And what does that do? It causes us to doubt. We start doubting. Hebrews 4, 2. It says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Why? Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. They heard the preaching. They just didn't believe it. They heard the word. But because they had drifted so far from the word, they went from drifting to what? Say it with me. Doubting. Doubting. Doubting, Doubting that God will do what he says he'll do. <laughs> Doubting that, 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 are y'all with me? Amen. Let me hurry. Let me hurry. I'm going to run out of time. First is what? What's the first step in, in backsliding? Drifting. Just drifting. Just drifting. That's it. Just drifting. Being, let's use the word careless. Neglectful. Being careless with our spiritual life and our spiritual walk. Say, preacher, how in the world did you gain all that weight back in a month? I drifted. 
Willie, did we drift? We drifted. It's Willie's fault. I will just eat this. That night, I'm going to eat this too. I'm going to get back to it. I'm going I'm to... I'm well, I am on sabbatical. Preacher, what are you saying? I, I didn't mean to. I didn't want to. But just little by little by little. Drifting, doubting. Then, then once we start... The doubting phase, we go into dullness. Write that word down. Dullness toward the word. We drift from the word, we doubt the word, and then we become dull to the word. Where's that? Hebrews 5.11. Of whom we have many things to say. The writer of Hebrews saying, man, we got so much we need to tell you. But it's going to be hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. Dull means slow to understand. It really, the the Webster's Dictionary said stupid. Stupid. In other words, you're going to have a hard time comprehending what you need to comprehend because you've drifted so far, you've begun to doubt, and then when I tell you something, you're going to have a hard time understanding what I'm telling you. Watch what he says. But a certain, no, excuse me, back up, verse 12. For when for the time... Ye ought to be teachers. Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Slow to understand. You get your Bible out and you're so far away from God, it just looks like a jumbled mass of letters. Listen, we become dull to the word. It just, you'll come in here, and I can be preaching the best sermon ever, and it's just chatter to you. Chatter. Then we move to a very dangerous stage. We begin despising the word. I, I, let's say it like this. In the beginning, when we're first saved, we got that, that new creature excitement, joy. And you hang on every word. And no matter what, it's good to you. It don't matter what the preacher preaches. Boy, that's good stuff. But after a while, life takes on and you start to drift. You start to be neglectful of your spiritual walk and your spiritual life. You neglect the word. You neglect prayer. You neglect attendance to the house of God. And then you come in here a Sunday and all of a sudden... you. One day you're feeling joy and excitement. Now you don't feel anything. That's dullness. You don't feel anything. No excitement, no motivation, no joy, no inspiration, no conviction. But then the next phase is despise the word. Now you go from not feeling anything, not feeling inspired, not feeling motivated. Now when he does say something, you got an attitude about it. Because now he could, listen, the man of God can be preaching on the glories of heaven. And the Holy Spirit's telling you about how low down and sorry you are and you need to get right. The preacher didn't say it, but the big preacher did. I've had people come out after the service. Boy, preacher, man, when you said such and such and such and such, it sure was a blessing. I thought, I never said that. I never said that at all. But that's what they heard. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit has an incredible ability to take whatever I say and fix it to be what you need to hear. That's why I can preach one sermon I can shoot a rifle and it come out like a shotgun because everybody in here needs something different. And God has the ability to take the word and meet each and every need. And over here, somebody's getting blessed, got their hands in the air. Woo, preacher, that's good. And over here, uh, he needs to mind his own business. Uh-huh. Looks at their spouse. Have you been talking to him? I guess you're happy. 
Don't, don't look at me. I've been in church long enough. I know I've seen it all. You, now, you, now you get mad at everything. It don't matter what he preaches on. You think he's aiming at you. Anyway. Then, what was A? We see we, we drift from the word. B, we start doubting the word. C, there we become dull toward the word. Then we start. And man, when we start doing that, we go to defying the word. Defying. In other words, we know it's wrong, but we're going to do it anyway. We go to defying the word. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Brother McKelvey, you can ask my dad as this witness. We have witnessed people go from here, shouting the victory and the glory, praising God, thankful for everybody, and especially the preacher, to over here, won't even look at him. Wouldn't spit on him if he's on fire. Brother Reese, my fellow pastor, do I, do I have a witness over there? And the preacher ain't done nothing different. Preacher's preaching the same book, the same Bible, the same sermons. The same sermon that blessed him over here is breaking him over here. And, 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 and listen, the preaching didn't change. And the word didn't change, but your geography to the word changed. You went from drifting to doubting, listen, to dull, to despising. Now you just going, you know it's wrong, you know it's wrong, you don't care, you're going to do it anyway. I'm going to defy the word. The Bible says in Hebrews, they use the word refuse. You defy what Jesus said. Defy the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts you. The Holy Spirit draws you. The Holy Spirit tells you it's wrong. The Holy Spirit says you need to get your act right. You need to get back in church. You need to get back in your Bible. You need to get back in your prayer. You need to do it anyway. I got some sad news for you. And it should be scary. Now, there's, there's the good news and the bad news. Even if you get here, brethren, you still belong to it. Thank God. No matter how stupid you get, you still belong to it. But the bad news, Brother Mark, can we say this, amen? He going to get you. Well, at least I'm saved. Yeah, but you got one coming. Let me prove it. Let me prove it. Number, number, what number are we on? Three. Trace. Number three. I want you to see, I want you to see the peril in backsliding. We got to hurry. That over's coming quick, Willie. That over's coming quick. Peril in backsliding. First of all, sin's consuming. Write that down. The peril in backslide that sin don't play. That's the bottom line. I've heard my father preach it time and time again. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you want to pay. Sin is deceptive. It deceives it divides and it destroys. Yep. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. James 1.15, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth Amen. sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth Amen. death. You say, well, ain't nothing happened to me. It ain't finished yet. You see, a lot of times, a lot of times, the wheels of God's justice grind slowly. But you can rest assured they grind surely. That's 
When you first get out and you first backslide, you may be living high on the hog as the prodigal. He was still spending the father's inheritance. He was hanging out with the ill repute. He was having the time of his life. Oh, he was living it up because sin was drawing him in. But then one day. So preacher, I'm having a big time. Well, sin ain't finished yet. Well, preacher, I see so-and-so doing this, doing that, living up. And it don't seem like nothing's happening to them. Wait till it's finished. Because it finishes the same way every time. Sin, when it's finished, bringing forth death. Sin, to, sin separates. Isaiah 59.1. You don't have this. Just if you want to write the address down, you can look it up later. Isaiah 59.1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Jeremiah 5.25 says, Your iniquities have turned away these things. Your, look at this. This is so... For just this reason alone, your sins have withholding good things from you. Did y'all hear that? Yeah. Write that down. Jeremiah 5.25. So you don't forget that. Jeremiah 5.25. Your sins have, have withholding good things from you. Say, so why is that? Sin separates. Sin separates God's presence from you. Sin separates good things from you. First John 1, 5. You say, oh, that's Old Testament. How about a little New Testament? This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we... Uh-oh, y'all got quiet. Help me. We lie and do not the truth. The problem is not... The problem is not that people are walking in utter darkness. It's just they don't mind a little stroll in the shade. But see, God ain't in the shade neither. God is in the, come on, God is in the, in the light. God is in the light. Sin will separate us from his presence. Sin will separate us from his presence. That's, that's a peril. That's a peril. That's a danger. We see sins consuming. Then we see, here's the worst part, the Savior's correction. For all you Pentecostal people out there that that say we Baptists believe just do anything you want and everything's all right. No, we don't believe that. We believe believe once saved, always saved, without a doubt. The Bible says you're sealed until the day of redemption. You have eternal life. But when you sin... He's coming. Look what it says. Let me just give you, let me just give you the Bible. Hebrews 12, 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. That reminds me of my mom telling me and my brother, you forget your daddy's coming home. You, you keep acting the fool, you forget he's coming home. This is what this writer's saying. You've forgotten. You've forgotten you belong to God now. You've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art what? Rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And by the way, the next verse says, and if you're without chastening, you're a bastard, not a son. That word means, it's not a cuss word. The word means illegitimate. There's a ton of people that claim to be a child of God. They claim to possess Christ and the Holy Spirit. But if they can go live like the devil and God not chasing them, they are illegitimate. They don't belong to him. One of the greatest evidences of being saved is that God whips your britches. That God will convict you. The Holy Spirit in you. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Let me break those three down. You don't have this. I just threw this extra. Now I'm going to charge you nothing for this. Those three levels, those three levels of correction. First is a rebuke. First is a rebuke. You'll see it there in verse, verse number five. This is the beginning. 
This is when God tries to get your attention. You're, you're, you have erred from the truth. You have drifted away. You have, what, what's the, what are we preaching on tonight? You have, come on everybody. Boy, I tell you what, about three quarters in this sermon, everybody's got quiet all of a sudden. Right? Listen, we, we have what? We have backslidden. So here's the first thing God's going to do. He's going to rebuke you. What's the rebuke? To admonish a verbal warning. It's like a verbal warning. God will prick your conscience for a sin you commit. He will use the preaching and teach. See, he's, 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 he's rebuking tonight. I can feel it. He's rebuking tonight. He's using the preaching and the teaching of the word to rebuke you. Sometimes in your prayers, God will try and get your attention. Sometimes it is through the words of others. But he's rebuking you. In other words, this is the mildest form of God's correction. But you know what we'll do? We're, we're so prideful, we'll get mad when somebody tries to help us. And we don't even realize, well, you don't want the next step. I can't tell you how many times as a little kid, somebody tried to warn me and said, listen, you better, you better act straight. Your dad's going to be, you know, you better straight. And I should have listened right then. Right. Amen? Amen? Now watch. He goes from your rebuking, if that don't work, if that don't work, he goes to what? What's the next word? Chastening. Say it with me. Chastening. chastening. What's chastening? It means to discipline, to punish. A rebuke is just a verbal warning. He'll do it through the preaching and the teaching. Maybe if someone will come to you and say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm really burdened for you and I'm praying for you. I, I don't think this is the direction you need to be going or what you need to be doing in your life. This is going to be bad for you. Yeah. Iron sharpeneth iron, right? Yeah. And if we listen, we're, we're delivered. If we're not, we go to the next phase. We go to discipline or punishment. This is a more severe form of discipline than the first. It involves emotional anxiety, frustration, or distress. Listen, it involves emotional anxiety, frustration, or distress. Pressures increase at work, at home, in your health, in your finances. Many Christians go along in their Christian life in this level of discipline. They feel unfulfilled at church and they're critical all the time. Kind of on the outs with God. When they pick up their Bible, it feels like a lead weight and they can't seem to figure out why. Then we go... What's the last phase? To scourging. Scourging. This is the same word that's used in the beating that Christ took on the cross. Or excuse me, in, in the, with the cat of nine tails before they nailed him to a cross. In this level of discipline, you are living in open sin and flagrant defiance for what you know is right. You have not responded to the Lord's attempts to get your attention. And because of this, he must resort to inflicting pain to get the result. God, now listen, please listen. God takes long-term sin very seriously. The consequences are more drastic than most Christians realize. Paul said that unconfessed and unrepented sin in the Corinthian church had caused some of its members to get weak, sick, and even die. Yeah. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty. for this cause, many are weak, sickly among you, and many sleep. The word sleep means die. Yeah. Because they would not make things right. God tried to rebuke them. God tried to chase them. But they kept bringing a reproach on the name of Christ. He mentioned this same, this same punishment. This, this sin unto death, if you will. He mentioned it in 1 John 5, 16. He said, if, there, if any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. But there is a sin, John says, excuse me, there is a sin unto death. There comes a place in a Christian's life that they go so far with God. Now, I've heard people say this, and this is not totally accurate. God will never give up on me. That's not totally accurate. It is in kind of a way. He's going to keep on you and keep on you and keep on you and keep on you to bring you back. But there is a limit to his patience. According to these verses. 
If rebuking don't get your attention, if, if, if chastening doesn't get your attention, if scourging, the most severe form of discipline from the Lord doesn't get your attention, he will take you home. Look what it says about the man living with his, having an affair with his stepmother in, in the church at Corinth. He said, if he doesn't repent, this is what he says. First Corinthians five, five to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Preacher, what are you saying? This is a big deal. Backsliding is not just, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. The peril in backsliding, sins consuming. The Savior's correction. Stunted capabilities. I'm not going to preach that. I told you earlier. Peter fished all night long and caught what? Preacher, what are you saying? You can never fulfill your potential outside of the will of God. You'll never find your complete fulfillment. You'll never be able to fulfill your complete potential. You'll never be as happy as you could possibly be and be fulfilled as you possibly could be outside of the will of God. Number four, here's the promise in backsliding. To the concerned brother, that means you that, are, that know you've got, you've got a, a friend of yours that's outside the will of God. James 5.20 says, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. What's he saying right there? Go do something. Talk to him. Talk to him. Challenge him. Don't go nag him and don't go preach at him. I'm going to tell you what to do in just a second. Let, let me hurry. B, to the converted backslider. If you're in here and you're away from God, let me give you some good news. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful. Say it with me. He is faithful. Say it with me. He is faithful. Every time. Y'all with me? Every time. He is faithful and just to forgive us our and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody say amen. amen. Psalm 32, 5. I acknowledge my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Let me tell you something. David was a worse sinner than Saul. If you list Saul's sins and you list David's sins, David was a way worse sinner than Saul. But the difference between Saul and David is David knew how to repent. David knew how to get right. David come before God and say, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Wash me with the hyssop, purge me that I might be clean. Oh, restore the joy of my salvation. Oh, he knew how to repent. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, if you're backsliding, listen, one step can get you going right. Confess that to God and say, God, I'm not what I'm supposed to be. Please forgive me and turn. Somebody say amen. Amen. Listen, he's faithful. Now, if you want to help somebody, the Bible says in in Galatians 6, 1, and we'll just say this and dismiss since we went over. Galatians 6, 1. Be sure of your spiritual state if you're going to help somebody. The Bible says, if a man be overtaken in a fault. This is what Galatians 6, 1. I, I, I thought I printed it out, but I guess I didn't. Uh, it says, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Say it with me. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. It didn't say criticize such a one. It didn't say beat down such a one. It didn't say ostracize. It said restore him. Restore him. So the first thing, say it with me. Number one, be sure of your. In other words, if you're not right with God, don't be trying to get somebody else right with God. Mow your own grass first. Hello. And I know what somebody said, well, I don't have no business talking to nobody. He got a splinter in his eye and I got a beam in my eye. Well, the Bible says get the beam out. That's what it says. It don't say just throw your hands down. Well, we can't do nothing. I got a beam. Get the beam out so you can help the brother with the splinter. Are y'all with me? No. Amen. 
Number one, say it with me. Be sure of your. Be sure of your. Number two, be sure of your intention. What is their intention? To restore. When you go to your friend or you go to your brother or sister in Christ, make sure you go with the intent to restore. And that's your motivation. Your motivation, look at me everybody, look at me everybody. Your motivation is not to get in their business. I, I, just, I just need to know what to pray for, you lying scoundrel. You just want to gossip. You don't need to know no details. You need to say, I'm praying for you and I'm here for you. Let's walk through this thing together. Let's get right with God and get back on the firing line. If your motive is to restore... Listen, you're going to go humbly. You're going to go remembering that you got potential too. Amen. Amen. Number three. Number three. Be sure of your approach. Don't be no smart, Elliot. Meekness is softness of temper, mildness, gentleness. The greatest teacher that there ever was, sorry teachers in here. But Miss Brenda Buckner was the greatest teacher there ever was on the planet. I think she's retired now. She may be teaching now. I don't know. But she sent me a note. She, she was watching. She's watching the service. Thrilled me to death. I'm telling you what I saw that. And I was, man, I'm telling you, I was jacked up. One day, one day, we were doing, we were doing, uh, <clears throat> we were doing multiplication, multiplication cards. You know, those flip cards. You know, teaching us our, our multiplication tables and all that. Well, she made everything fun. Everything. No matter what we did, she made a game out of it, made it fun. And, and, and so you, 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 you stood beside this student's desk, and the student was there. And whoever got the, the, whoever got the card, whoever won, they go to the next desk. And if they won five times in a row, they got an ice cream. I had won four. And I was right beside Thomas Hamilton. Now, Thomas Hamilton, he was... He was uh, he, he was a little, a little different. Had some issues, you know, as, as a baby, and uh, and uh, but man, I, I I'm fixing to get my ice cream. And they and, and she she let the kids judge who won, which is a mistake. <laughs> and they flipped that card, and I gave the answer, and I won. But they gave it to Thomas. Son, I blow the gasket. I'm talking about I blow the gasket. I was so mad. You ever get some mad tears are coming down your eye? I'm ready to fight Thomas. I'm ready to fight the t- the, the, all the students that lied and, and, and cheated me out my ice cream. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm raising cane. I'm loud and I'm mad. Let's fight. Let's get it on. And she should have beat my behind right there in the classroom. But I remember this. To this day, I remember this. She walked me out of the class and sat me on the bench right But Thank God she didn't tell Dad. Thank the Lord. She brought me by that, that uh, uh, water fountain and sat me down. And I'm, I'm pleading my case. I'm mad, hot, just, just, they cheated me. You know I won that. What? This is what she did. This is what she did. Malcolm. Just like that. Malcolm, it's okay. But well, Miss Buckner, you know it. They cheated me. I had one more to go. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm ready. Malcolm, Malcolm, it's okay. It's okay. But Miss Button, you, 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 she said, Malcolm, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> she brought me from way up here to right here. She practiced what the Bible says. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. I'll never forget that. Listen, that was a third or fourth grade, whatever. I don't even remember which grade it was, but it was that long ago. Fourth grade. And I remember the impact it had on me because she stayed calm and meek. And kind and loving. 
What am I saying? Most of the time, when you approach somebody, especially if they're in sin, their first response is going to be defensive. Don't judge me, isn't it? But if you stay here, don't go quoting Bible on them. I'm not judging you. The Bible says make righteous judgment. I mean, you can beat them over the head with Bible, but if they're here, you getting there ain't going to bring them down. Just say, no, I'm not, I promise you I'm not judging you. I love you. And I care about you. And it's breaking my heart to see you. Let me help you. Y'all see that? Your motive, your intention, your own spirituality, and the way you go. Tone of voice is everything. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand. Let's stand. Hmm? I didn't shut it. A to number four. Let's see. Pops ain't going to let y'all go until he gets his answer. The concerned brother. The concerned brother. In other words, the person, the person that has somebody that's in sin that wants to go help them. The concerned brother. You, you are concerned about this other person. And, and then the second one, what I say? The second one was to the converted backslider. The first A is for the one that wants to help. B is for the one that's needing the help. Does that make sense? All right. How many of y'all got some help tonight? All right. How many of y'all felt like we need to all go home and, and get in the prayer closet and get right? <laughs> I did. I'm telling you, I preached myself all night long. So let's go do that. Let's go do that. If we confess our sin. He is faithful. He's faithful. He will, he will forgive us and he will cleanse us. Amen.